Welcome to the New Vision Church podcast. New Vision Church is a diverse, Bible-teaching, Jesus-centered church in San Diego, California, and exists to transform people and their communities by replicating followers of the biblical Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. Now here's this week's sermon. Cool, cool, cool. Well, thank you guys for that. Um, So for those of you that didn't get a chance to go to Hume, uh, we've got a couple families. Mom was making some noise in the front row here. I uh, hear you guys making noise. Um, so I know your kids were in there, but uh, we got a chance to take, we got a chance to take, uh, there was 35 of us. So we got a chance to go to Hume, had a great, great time. Um, some kids gave their life to the Lord. Some kids got baptized. Um, but uh, Hume has been there since like the 40s. And it's been a miracle of like how many millions of people have come there to be able to hear from God. And I don't know about you, sometimes you just need a fresh place to hear from God. You just need to get away for a minute. You just need to find somewhere quiet. You know, the Bible says that you go into your, 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 your closet, you close the door, you kind of get alone with Jesus, right? And uh, it's hard for our kids to get alone because everything is always connecting them. Um, and that was even a hard thing. Some kids didn't even want to go to camp because they'd never have been to a place where they didn't have instant Wi-Fi all the time. And so some, some kids actually chose not to go to camp because they knew they weren't going to have Wi-Fi. Like, how sad is that? So, um, I, mean, I, I mean, I'm old, so I remember a time when, before Wi-Fi existed. So I know that life can happen without it, but this generation, this generation has serious doubts that life can happen without Wi-Fi. And so it was a, it was a little bit difficult to convince everybody. But um, thank you guys for your prayers. You guys were able to support uh, so many kids to be able to go. Uh, and it's important. Like our kids um, get a chance to see stuff that they haven't seen before. Um, I showed you the tree last week that like that just th- things that like kids don't do anymore. Uh, kids didn't know how to swim. There were so many kids didn't know how to swim and they, they didn't know how to canoe. They didn't know how to row, whatever. And I was like, these are just simple things. Just jump in and make it happen. And they're like, I can do it on a video game. I was like, that don't count. Like, just because you can Tony Hawk skate on a video game doesn't mean you can really skate, right? So just trying to get kids away and to be able to listen to God. So worship was great. Environment was great. Um, and then Amanda and myself and Ezekiel had a week of vacation after that just on the lake. Here's what was weird. The camp the week before had 600 kids. The week that we were there, there were zero kids. So here's this huge complex. I'd go down by the lake. I'm expecting to hear noise because for a whole week, all you heard was kids screaming, yelling, chasing people, throwing things, getting fish, throwing fish at people, like whatever. There's like activity. And then the next week, Amanda and I and Ezekiel were sitting on the lake and it was eerie because there was no kids. And I was like, Hume Lake is a beautiful space, but the thing that makes it beautiful is 600 kids getting a chance to like get to experience things. So we had a great time. So... Thank you guys so much uh, for allowing our, our pastors to get away. Uh, pray for Pete and Julie. They got one more week um, for their sabbatical. Um, I know after talking to them, they're refreshed. They're excited to come back. Um, Julie has had to take Pete's phone away so that he can't respond to stuff. It's just to make him relax a little bit longer, one more week. So please don't text him because uh, he, he wants to get to his phone. So just help him deal with his addiction um, uh, of that. Uh, I'm just kidding. He's fine. They're enjoying themselves. Uh, and uh, we got another couple we- uh, weeks of, uh, of the other ministers here serving and loving you guys. So thank you guys. If you guys got your Bibles, uh, I want you guys to turn to John chapter 9. We're going to recap a little bit, and then I'm going to ask uh, Carmelo and Lala to come up and-, and share a testimony in a moment. But remember, last week we were talking specifically about John chapter 9, and the whole story, I know there's been three sermons because Pastor Pope preached the first week talking about the, the blind man getting healed, right? And then last week I talked about 
the ramifications of the healing and how sometimes we go through stuff and we don't always know why we're going through it, but God's got a plan even when we don't see it, right? Um, that's pun intended because this is about a blind guy. I get it. Like We can't always see the plans that God has for us. Um, and if we only focus on our human sight, most of us get in trouble when we can see what's ahead of us. Like we, 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 got, we got good eyesight and we still making all sorts of messes, right? So uh, last week we talked specifically about your testimony and that your testimony matters. And whatever happens to you, listen, your journey might not be my journey, but your journey definitely matters to you, right? You, you should be the main character in your journey, right? If you're not, then you're kind of living vicariously through somebody else. That's a different set of situations. But most of us, we dream in the first person. Like, you've got stuff that's happening to you, around you, through you. You're acting on stuff. Things are acting on you. Your family's causing this kind of duress. This relationship's not working. I made a bad choice and caused this little incident to happen. Uh, a guy that came to church uh, uh, back at our Park Boulevard church. Actually, Archie, I haven't seen you in a minute So since Park Boulevard, so I welcome. I'm so glad that you, you were able to find us. But, but back at Park Boulevard, there were some people that, that we haven't really seen since since we moved from, from uh, North Park to City Heights, right? But I got a call at 11 o'clock at night. Normally, pastors get calls at 11 o'clock at night. It's normally to bail somebody out, go visit somebody in the hospital, or come get me out of a situation because I'm drunk and I can't drive. So those are like three things that pastors normally get after 11 o'clock. Uh, right, Robin? Confirm, right? It's not normally good news after 11. Um, and I tell people, you better be bleeding or somebody better be bleeding if you call me after 11. Um, so this guy called me and uh, he wasn't bleeding, but I hadn't heard from him for four or five years. So I assumed the worst. <clears throat> Here's a great thing as a pastor. Every once in a while, somebody calls you and they don't know what time it is because they ain't paying attention, but, but they call you to tell you life is going good. They're making good choices. They regained their son. They have a job. They're holding stuff down. Their relationship's on point. And he just called to say thank you for all the years of being faithful and preaching to us in the park when I was homeless, when I was on drugs, whatever. I've been to court for him a little bit at times, whatever. But he just called to say his journey is now looking different now because of the faithfulness of saints that have been sharing the gospel. So my encouragement to us in following up for last week in John is that your story matters, not just to you, but it matters for other people to hear your story so they can know if they can do it, I can do it. I've seen how messed up Brent has been. I got to believe that I can do it. If God loves Brent, God loves me. If God loves you, God's going to love somebody else. Remember last week, Ali was up here sharing, and he didn't know about his faith journey until he heard his coach say he was depressed, he was atheistic, he didn't know if life was worth it, and then he said, I think those same thoughts too. And sometimes in church, we don't get a chance to share the dark thoughts, right? Because we come here and we're singing, we're praising God, How you, oh, I'm blessed, I'm blessed. That's true, but really, I need some honesty too. Like, I need some of y'all to tell me, I know I'm supposed to be blessed, but right now I'm feeling struggling right now. I'm having a hard week. Right now, I went through some stuff, and, and my faith seems a little bit weak. Can you pray for me to get over this stuff? We can sing just like we just did. I have been set free, but some of us have to remind ourselves we have been set free. Now we're stressed on a car payment or a house payment or food or clothing, but the first thing's first. We are set free. Otherwise, this other stuff doesn't matter. Then everybody's just trapped, right? So we've got to tell people about us being set free. And when you don't have a good week, it's every bit as important for you to share that so that we can get us back on track. 
Because if I have one bad week, it's all right. If I don't tell nobody, that leads to a different, another bad week that starts getting a little bit darker. And then I start hiding and going back to stuff to medicate my bad week. And by week number three, I'm off the grid. I can hide whatever I need to hide. So I need to make sure that we are sharing our story. So right now, just to kind of kick off, um, I've known Lala only for a couple of months. I know he came with Pastor Carmelo. I'm going to ask Carmelo to come up and just be able to share. Lalo and Carmelo, they've been on a journey for a minute. Um, and uh, Carmelo's going to interview Lalo just for a couple of minutes um, and just talk about his faith journey. And then we're going to get back into it. So come on up. Come on up. That's right. So... So you guys know I'm Carmelo. I've been at this church for the last 10 years. Thank God. I've been following Christ. Um, and this is my cousin, Lalo. Now, a lot of people say, oh, this is my cousin. We're close. But growing up, this was one of the most influential people in my life. He is the firstborn out of 36 grandkids. Whoa. He is uh, the oldest out of all his mom. Was, her mom, his mom was the oldest out of all the, uh, the sisters of my, my mom and family. So he's like... First cousin, not second cousin, not married, not in-law, but first cousin Lalo here. Real and, cousin. Um, <laughs> um, fun story was uh, spending time with him was the first time I'd ever had an interaction with the police. <laughs> and so I was seven years old. And, um, and we've all been there. We were living right. in National City. And he's like, hey, we're going to go and we're going to go and, and steal these shirts. I'm going to go distract them and whoop-de-whoop. You just grab the shirts and then you'll be gone. And me being a little seven-year-old kid, um, we got the shirts, we got out of there, and he never came back. And I was just like, oh no, the cops got him. I was telling my older brother, I was like, dude, we gotta go back for him. No, they're gonna put him in jail. He's gonna like whatever. Seven-year-old. And so we go back, and they're actually giving him shirts because he is like telling them, oh, they went this other way. He was pointing in the other direction. He had a whole plan that he didn't share with me. But I was like, Lala, are you okay? It was me, it was all me. And they're like, the cops are like, I'll hit you with this stick. Like, you better tell me the truth. I was like, it's the truth. I swear. This is the Lord. <laughs> and, um, but that's my cousin. He, um, he's here today just to um, share a little bit about what he's been through. And um, so, Lalo, share us a little bit about your, your Christ For journey. For a long time, I was a bad influence on certain people, you know. <laughs> sorry about that. You know, I'm trying to change my ways. But uh, I was separated from my family for uh, a lot of my life. I grew up alone. Uh, I tried... You know, living life, you know what I mean? It, it, it was just, it was really, really hard for me. Um, I had a lot of bitterness in my heart. I had a lot of uh, hate and you know, anger. Uh, a lot of the bad things that happened to me, I would take it out on other people. So for a long time, you know, I was doing really bad and wrong. <laughs> I've done just about every wrong thing you could think about, every sin I've committed, every, every drug I've done, uh, got locked up. You know, done my time, been out there doing bad things in the streets with a bunch of bad people. And, uh, you know, the, the Lord, you know, I, I accepted Jesus Christ into my heart when I was about 17 years old. And uh, at the time, I didn't really know, but I said, hey, well, I'm here. Let's do it because, you know, in case, you know what I mean? I just, I didn't, I didn't know. It was just like a, a fire insurance type of thing. Yeah, just one of those, one of those things, just in case, you know, like a plan. Just in case. In case the, the first one didn't work, you know what I mean? At least, at least I got Jesus, you know? You know, and when, and when I did that, I felt, I felt real different, you know, like extremely different. Uh, you know, it was, it was something different. I, I just didn't know. I felt, I felt it. But, you know, life goes on and things just went crazy, you know? Uh, I came to a point in my life where... 
I started le- just losing people, you know, like real close people. I, I didn't get to get raised with the mother and father. My, my father left me with my grandparents, you know what I mean, growing up. And, you know, they were old. You know, they, they tried to do what they could for me, but I had a lot of uh, hate inside my heart anyway. So it was mm-hmm. one of those things I just couldn't find. You know, I couldn't find no love. I couldn't find where I was supposed to be. I couldn't find nothing. And then the people that actually did take me under their wing and, and were good to me and, and, and you know, felt like a family just started dying off one at a time. Boom, boom, boom. Next thing you know, it, you know, I was in a bad place. I lost pretty much everybody. Uh, I started doing drugs. I started, like, really bad, like, really bad. Um, I was to the point where I was just doing drugs, doing drugs, working, doing drugs, doing drugs, working, doing drugs, doing drugs, working. You know what I mean? I lost everything. I didn't know what else to do with my time. I didn't, I didn't know what else to do with my life. Huh. It ended up getting to the point where... I thought that things were going to get better, and they weren't. I was just stagnant, like just dead in the water. You know what I mean? I was up, up that creek, and I had no paddle, and I was just there, stuck. Hmm. Okay. Uh, a situation came into my life where I thought things were going to get better. You know what I mean? I thought uh, I was going to get to have my family back. I thought I was going to have to have my kids. I thought I was going to get to, uh, you know, live life the way, you know, people are supposed to live their life. You know what I mean? Loving, with, you know, family and all that good stuff. Uh, it ended up turning out that, you know, it, it wasn't going to be like that. I thought when things, when I thought I hit my lowest point, I didn't think there was a lower point, hmm. the lower point came. Right. You know, I got lifted up a little bit and then boom, I got set back down. And uh, it took me a little while to understand, you know, what was going on. I had to look at it through like a sober eyes because, you know, I was under the influence most of the time. Um, it came to the point where... People tried to ambush me, you know, they tried to bushwhack me without me even knowing, you know, and, and I just, I didn't know what was going on. I didn't, I didn't know what was going on. So uh, I'm on the street, you know, I'm running down the street. Uh, and people are after you? People are after me. Okay. Uh, I'm not going to say, I'm just going to say that it's, it was evil. evil. Very evil people were after me huh. and they were trying to kill me. They were trying to kill me. They had me at the point where I was pinned down in somebody's backyard. I don't know whose backyard it was, but it was somebody's backyard. Uh, I was running from there. It was about, like, I want to say 10 different cars, maybe, like, 15 different people, you know, just driving up and down, looking for me, looking for me, looking for me. And I was pinned down in the back of this somebody's house. I don't even know whose house it was. It was a corner (laughs) house. So I'm there laying down on the floor, you know, hiding from these people, and I look up. And I see a buzzard flying in the air. And so when I see this buzzard, I understood right away that it was a form of witchcraft. You know what I mean? Somebody was doing witchcraft, trying to find me. They were trying to get me. And, uh, well, I knew right away that they're trying to find me with witchcraft. So I get on my knees and I made the sign of the cross. And I asked God, Lord, please come into my, my life. Please help me hmm. get away from these people. Hmm. This is something that, that I can't do by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to be able to do this by myself. Mm-hmm. I said, I need, I need you, Lord. Please help me. And I laid back down on the floor. So when I laid down on the floor, this black snake, like I felt something in my back. I was like, what is that? And I sat up and I looked. 
And it was a snake. It was a black snake. Slithered out from under me and went, disappeared into the, into the grass. So uh, I was like, what? And I looked in the back, the back of the, there was a fence, the privacy fence. Perched up on the fence, there was a white bird. You know, uh, there's a, in Texas, it's like a scissor tail bird. It, you, know, it has, you know, the tail comes apart and it goes like that. And when they, when they fly in the air, you know, they make those little things. Mm -hmm. They usually come like brown, silver, or, or gray or something like that. Uh, this one was completely white. And I looked at the bird and it looked straight, straight at me, you know. And I felt like that was God. And God was looking at me, telling me, I got you. I laid back down on the floor. I looked up. The buzzard was gone. In the front yard, where there, there was people out there looking for me. They were gone. Uh, little by little, you know, people started dissipating. People started leaving. I didn't see them no more. You know, long story short, that night I ended up going to jail. The neighbor called the cops. Like, hey, some guy back here, you know. He's In your backyard tripping. Somebody, somebody, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I told, I told the police, you know, what was going on, you know. They're like, oh, man, this dude's on drugs, you know, he's tripping, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, okay, all right, well, you so know. So how long ago was that? And then four months where ago. are you at now? Four months ago. So four months ago, and uh, maybe like, I was there for three days. My sister went to go pick me up, brought me to San Diego. Uh, little by little, you know, I've been, you know, opening my eyes, realizing, you know, looking back and thinking about what happened or why things happened the way they happened. And, huh. And, uh, but I, I, you know, little by little, I started getting more into the word, more into the word, more into the word. You know, God is working his magic in my life. You know right. what I mean? And uh, lately, I, uh, I quit smoking, quit drinking, quit uh, even smoking cigarettes. Right. Um, so I'm completely sober, clean. Um, and since I feel with all my heart that God saved me from that situation, hmm. From this point forward, you know, I need to follow God. Yes. And everything that I can do to spread his word or, or whatever I can do positive in a positive way to start helping people go huh. in a positive way, right. I want to be that influence Thanks. and lead them to God. Amen, amen. Thanks, Father. Now, as we talked downstairs, I said, I said that journey doesn't happen quick, right? Four months is a short time span to go from where he is there to like right now. And there's going to be some more stuff that's going to come along, you know? And uh, when he was hearing the story and listened to Ollie talk last week about his story, about how Ollie went through a story, Carmelo was like, you know, my, my cousin's got a story too. Like God's working in his life. That journey matters, my, my, my desire for, for, to hear that, thank you so much, Lala, for sharing that. It's hard to do, especially get up in front of people and tell your story. Listen, it's important for people to know your story because we know how to pray for you. I didn't know all that stuff. I didn't know how to pray for you. I saw you with Carmelo, and I just prayed for you because I was like, well, you, you with Carmelo, so I know I got to pray for you, you know? So, but now I know how to pray specifically, right? Hey, if you don't share your story, people can't pray for you intelligently, now, God can do it. I mean, I know that God, God will pray and he'll cover all that stuff. But listen, your story matters too because other people need to do the journey. They need to walk with you. We're not, we're not a, a room full of perfect people. We're full of, full of people that got a bunch of stories. 
Hey, there's no reason why this many stories should be in one room together. Our stories don't make sense. Like, if you tell your story next to somebody else, you'd be like, man, I don't understand anything, half of what you just said. I've never seen that before. I've never gone through that, whatever. But listen, the reason that we're all here is because of Christ. Amen. Your journey has brought you here because of Christ. So I don't know what you've had to go through to get to here, but listen, if your eyes are not open, then you're still living in the blindness. And the story last week, the blind man had lived his entire life, probably till 30 years old, until Jesus came. And listen, he wasn't even looking for Jesus, but he couldn't look. He didn't have an eye. So, but he couldn't even see that Jesus was coming. Jesus, what's the Bible say? Jesus was looking for him. Sometimes we think that we're part of our own solution. And I, I know, I know, I know AA will teach you that, but I'm telling you, God is the one that's pulling us out of our mess into what's next. Like, you cannot save yourself. If so, we wouldn't need church. We wouldn't need Bible. We wouldn't need God. Like, God would just be like, yeah, suck it up. I already did everything for you. Figure it out. That's not how God works. Listen, the start of this, the start of this message today, look at the very first verse. Um, we're going to jump back and go into the, to, into the into part, um, first part of it. But look at verse number 35. John 9, 35. I know I'm moving it past my, my intro, but I just want you to see this. Verse number 35. It says, Jesus had heard that they had thrown him out. Why'd they throw him out? Remember last week, the blind man shared his story. They didn't like it. So they said, okay, let's go talk to your mom and dad. Mom and dad shares a story. They didn't like it. And so they went back to the other guy and they interviewed him again. And then they talked to him and said, what do you think about him? And the guy goes, I think he was a prophet. Then they didn't like that story. So they kicked him out. So he had never been in church his whole life because he was blind anyway. And they weren't allowed to be in church. So he couldn't even be in fellowship. But then he gets healed. He spends one day, he goes to church and he's like, this is how everybody else lives. Like, I'm around people. And then those people get angry and then kick him out again. He spent one day in church. That was it. It probably wasn't much for him to get kicked out again. He's like, I lived for 30 years without the church. I'll be fine, right? So he gets kicked out and he's like on the side of the road, but now he can see. Now he can, he's got his faculties. And Jesus, listen, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out. See, sometimes you think you're, you're looking for God and maybe, maybe you think you're doing the work and you're getting there. But listen, God is looking for you. God is more concerned about finding you than you are about finding him. And you might be down and you might feel like you're at the bottom rung and the rung might even get a little bit deeper, but God has cared about your story as much if not more than you have cared about your story. Jesus cares about your story because you weren't made for this. You weren't made for what you're going through. You weren't created to live low, to live small, to live on the run, to live away from other people. You weren't created to be messed up in the head, to be drinking, smoking, whatever, doing anything to get away from what God created you for. You were created for more. And Jesus is looking at you and saying, I made you for something better than this. And Jesus is looking for you. So I hope you understand that, that it's okay to live the blind man's story for a minute, but when Jesus comes, you better say yes. You better let him spit on the ground and put that up in your eyes. And you might be confused by the story. Like, I'm always confused. Jesus, why did you spit on the blind guy's eyes and then make him walk to the pool? Jesus, walk him to the pool. He's blind. Like, don't tell him, go, go find the pool. The pool was called scent. And Jesus like, he's spitting on your Hey, go to the pool. The guy's like, now he's got blood, you know, stuff on his eyes. Like, man, I would have been angry the whole time. That guy called Jesus, spit on me, and then made me walk through the city. They're probably all laughing at me. 
right? But we think that. We get in our heads and we start thinking that other people are out to get us, Jesus out to get us, everybody else out to get us, and sometimes they are out to get us. But sometimes we just think that everybody's paying more attention to us than, we, than they really are. And sometimes Jesus is the one that's trying to get a hold of our attention to say, listen, you've got to live different. All right, that, that's, a, that's a precursor for the opening of my sermon. Um, I got to jump back a little bit. What was John written for? You guys remember? I talked about it last week. I think we've talked about it before. What was the reason for the book of John being written? You can say it in your own words. You don't have to quote the verse. Somebody was paying attention, right? You're not going to hurt my feelings. Believe. Believe. All right. Yes. Thank you. Good job. Good job. That's a little bit of a cheat, but yes, it's right there. So the verse is John 20, 30. That's easy, right? 20, 30. Remember that. 20, 30. Jesus performed many signs and presence and the presence of the disciples, which are not recorded in the book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. If somebody asks you what a book of the Bible means, you give somebody the Bible, you got 66 books, right? Somebody say, oh yeah, you got Bible on that? Like, it's, it's hard to like navigate 66 books of the Bible. You got thousands of pages. You got tens of thousands of verses. What are you gonna do? Listen, you can tell people the book of John exists for this reason. John wants you to understand that Jesus is the son of God, the Messiah, and there is life in his name. That's a good, easy sentence that you can memorize. And if you wanna start with somebody that doesn't know much about God and you're trying to get them from their messed up journey to a God journey, John is a good place to go. That's why you got John 3, 16. You got, all these, you got all these verses in John that people know because it's trying to help people understand the journey matters, but it only matters in so much as you meet Jesus and Jesus can convert your mess into something that he can bless. Come on, come on. But Jesus is the one that's gotta be a part of that. Otherwise, you're suffering needlessly. Listen, we're all gonna go through suffering. The question is, are you gonna suffer and have it mean nothing? except you just be angry and upset and bitter. Like I heard those words come out of your mouth. We all feel like that, don't we? Yeah. You get bitter, you get upset, you get frustrated. You better have something good at the end of it. Otherwise, you just waste a bunch of time. If I'm gonna be frustrated, I need it to be for Jesus. Amen. If I need to be a little bit angry, I, I better be able to talk to my Lord about that. I need to get my heart right, right? I need to check my pride. I need to get onto God's side. So the Bible says this. Remember, this miracle is number six out of seven. There's one more miracle left in John. Um, but up to this point, there's only, he only tells seven miracles, and that's this one right here. Now, if you read, some of you guys have been with us for a little bit. You guys remember back in chapter five, there was another story um, at, at the pool, Bethesda, the guy couldn't walk. Jesus comes by, tells him to pick up his mat and walk. You guys remember that? Yeah. Now remember, he picks up his bed and walk, and what does the Bible say even about that story? Look what it says in verse, uh, if you're writing this stuff down, John chapter 5, 14. I just want to show you there's a pattern here. John 5, 14. Later, later, just like the blind man, later, Jesus found him. This is after he was already healed. He had already been walking. He had already been arguing with the people in the church. Just like chapter 9, where the guy got healed, went to the church, tried to get some affirmation, got kicked out. The guy that was walking also had some issues with the people up in the church. Jesus has to find him later and talk to him. Found him later and said to him, hey, I see you're well again. And then he just gives him a little encouragement. He says, says don't, don't, don't go out and get crazy. The man went away and told all the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Jesus was about trying to fix people. They didn't even know his name. Didn't even know who it was. Some guy just told him. They asked the blind guy, he's like, I couldn't see. How am I supposed to know who healed me? I heard people say that it was, the, it was a man, a man called Jesus. But that's where it started from. 
All right, so the first half of chapter nine is all about physical blindness. We're gonna kind of turn the corner a little bit for the last 20 minutes, and we're gonna, we're gonna head towards spiritual blindness. Because listen, if you could choose, and if it was just about getting physically healed, that would be a great thing, right? For him specific, specifically, that would be a great thing. But my, my, my last 20 minutes, I wanna submit that your spiritual blindness is much more detrimental to your personal health than your physical blindness ever could be. And some of you are gonna walk out of here still thinking you okay, still thinking you can see because you've got physical eyesight. And that physical eyesight, eyesight is getting you in trouble because your spiritual eyesight is not working. And if you got physical eyesight, that's great because you think you can make stuff happen in the world, but you haven't got to the place that you felt like the bottom was gone. You haven't got to the next level because you're still relying on your own power. And the Bible says it's through his power, through his strength. That's why your story matters because somebody in here has a story in some way that's similar to yours, but it all has to come to Jesus, right? Jesus is the one that brings all of our stories into like one stream. That's why we could all sit here and like each other, even though we're from different sides of the track, different sides of the neighborhood, different sides of the race, different sides of the culture, different, you know, different sides of, of, of denominations, of religion. Like, it doesn't matter. In Jesus, there's this only one stream. The Bible says there's only one church. So you can't be like, well, I'm going to this church, I'm going to that church. It's not, there's not gonna be like a little church row in heaven where here's where the Baptists get dropped off and here's the Methodists and here's the Pentecostals. Here, it ain't like that. It's going to be, y'all going to be with neighbors with everybody. Guess what? You can be with neighbors with some people that you don't necessarily know, appreciate, or understand. Come on, come but they love Jesus. You love Jesus. You better get to know them. That's how come our church is so diverse. So we can start, we can start working on that now, right? We all like different music. If we said, what's your favorite song? I'm going to get 50 different songs. You're all going to be wrong because it's not mine, right? So all y'all, we're, we're going to have different flavors. We all got different stuff, right? The Bible says this as we keep on going through. Now, in, in the Old Testament, this concept of being blind spiritually is not a new concept. Now, remember last week I said the blind man knew enough of the Old Testament to say what? Never has it ever happened in the history of the world that a man that was born blind was able to be made well and see. The blind man said that. The blind man had done his work. And he had also knew that in the Old Testament, there was a whole bunch of, of, of illustrations about how the blindness was going to get solved. There was gonna be a healing. So if you, wanna, if you wanna write this stuff down, we don't have time to really look at it today. It's already 11.11. But if you wanna write this down, you can look up Isaiah chapter 42. If you wanna do a little journey this week. Listen, this, this is what is said of God in Isaiah. This is hundreds of years before the New Testament. Hundreds of years before the blind man comes on the scene. And this is what it says. It was God says, I will lead the blind by the ways that they have not known along unfamiliar paths that I will guide them. God says this, I will turn the darkness into light before them and I will make the rough places smooth. These are the things that I will do. I will not forsake them. It's a prophecy from the Old Testament. The, the blind man knew these testimonies. He knew the Old Testament. He knew some of these verses. He knew that there was a Messiah coming and the Messiah was gonna fix the sight of the blind. Now it's talking about spiritual blindness here, but if you're a blind person and you hear somebody use blind in a story and it's part of the Messiah story, you're going to pay attention. That's going to become your favorite verse, right? Amen. Like, I don't know about anything else, but that's the verse that means something to me. That's how come we all have a favorite verse, right? All the verses are good, but you have a verse that means something to your story. 
And then somebody asks you, what's your favorite verse in the Bible? And you go to it, and then you've got a story normally attached to, that's the first verse I ever memorized. I, I, I accepted the Lord. This is the first that was, that was in, in church that day. Um, somebody told me that this was, I prayed this prayer over my life. This is the, the verse that they used. The, our, 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 our story matters. The verse matters. So he knew Isaiah 42, 16 said this. And then he didn't know this verse because this verse was in Corinthians, so it hadn't been put together yet. But look what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. For God said, let the light shine out of the darkness. Amen. He made his light to shine in our hearts to give us the light of the knowledge of God's glory displayed in the face of Christ. Woo. That's Corinthians. Now, as a believer, however God has used your story, your path to get to a certain place, this is what they're talking about in Corinthians. Just like they talked about in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as they talked to all the churches in Acts and Thessalonians and Philippi, they were telling people, Christ wants to be the light in your life. There is a darkness in this world, and there is a light that only God can bring. The Bible says, and some of y'all seen the little, this little light of mine song, right? When you're a little kid, right? I'm a little shine, you know, don't let Satan it out. I'm a little shine. Listen, the Bible says that the light that God has placed there, people can't blow it out anyway. That song's a little bit theologically inaccurate. You can't be blowing out the light of Jesus. What are we teaching kids, right? The concept still remains. Like, we want to tell people about our light. Don't hide the light under a bushel. No, I'm going to let it shine, let it shine, let it shine, right? Listen, the light, the Bible says, if you've accepted the Lord, even at 17 years old, and you take a path outside of there, God is still concerned about your story. He's still in there saying, Lalo, come home. He's saying, Brent, come home. Carmelo, come home. Miss Julie, come home. Franklin, come home. Do not let the circumstances keep you away from the light any longer. I would rather be physically blind and spiritually alive. Come on. I want to be spiritually alive. I, there ain't nothing in this world to be able to create a spiritual death in me that I want to accept. I don't want that. I hope and I pray that today we're able to walk out of here and say, look, I'm not asking God to you, you, you take away my physical sight, but one thing for sure I'm asking, please don't ever allow my spiritual sight to dim. I need to be more, more focused on what God has for me. I need to keep steering away from the junk. That was in Corinthians. Look what it says. Look what it says in um, John. Remember how this chapter started? Some of you guys might have asked when Pastor Pope was preaching, why did Jesus drop this little line in here? J jump with me to John chapter nine. This is the first part of the chapter, right? John uh, nine, verse four. Remember, they, they got, the disciples say, why is the man blind? And that's because Jesus looked at him and Jesus goes, it wasn't because his parents sinned or because he sinned, but it's so that the glory of God could be revealed. And then he says this, as long as it is still day, we associate day with light, right? As long as it's still day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Who's that? Jesus is saying, my father has sent me on a mission. I am the son of God as God. I am on a mission. And he says this. He says, night is coming. Not just physical night. There's going to be a time that Jesus is going to be taken out of the world. And when that time comes, there'll be a different kind of light. Because the Bible says that God will live in our human hearts and now as believers, we are responsible for housing the light of God to the world that's around us. That is your job as a believer. You cannot, but that's where the bushel thing comes in. You can't hide it. You can't, you can't, you can't suppress it. If, if Jesus is in you, he's trying to get out. How do you think you're going to try to hide him inside anyway? You ain't, that, you ain't that strong. If he wanted to come out, he's going to like just burst through you, but you don't want that. 
They'd be like body on the floor. Jesus is trying to get out like, Brent wouldn't say nothing about me. I just had to leave him behind. You don't want that? Dead Brent on the side because I didn't say enough things? Hey, the Bible says that if we don't cry out, the Bible says the rocks are going to cry out. If you don't think that God can do whatever he want to do, he's giving you the freedom to do it, and he wants to give you the ability to say yes, because he ain't trying to control you, but in the end of the day, his, Franklin, that was for you in the end of the day, in the end of the day, his name is going to receive the glory, and he's either going to do it with you in the story, or he's going to pass you by. But his name is the one that's going to get the glory. You can either be a part of that, or, or, or you can just go ahead and try to keep it whatever, and then God's going to get the glory some other way. The glory ain't, the glory ain't going to stop. That's right. God is going to keep on moving. As long as it's still day, he must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming, verse number four, uh, four going to verse number five. Night is coming when nobody can work. And he says, while I am the light of the world, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. Some people say, why did, why did he include this at the start of the story about the blind man? Well, obviously, you understand. He's talking about spiritual blindness, even at the beginning of the story. And then he goes into the physical blindness story so we can understand it. And then after we understand it and see that the, the man is now kicked out, we thought that him getting fixed from blindness was the point of the story. It's the point of his story. He was very excited about it, right? But this part is actually even more excited. So verse now that takes us up to our, our current passage, verse number 35. Now we'll just stay here for the rest of the day. Verse number 35 to 41. So Jesus heard that they had kicked him out. When he had found him, he said, do you believe the son of man? Now, son of man, if you guys were doing your homework this week, we sent out some questions for you guys to think about in your small groups. I asked about that concept. Where's the, where's the concept of son of man come from? Some of y'all maybe did some work, maybe in your small groups, you kind of like kind of researched it a little bit. That was a term that was found other places in the Old Testament. If you read the book of John all the way through, John used it more than 20 times. So it was a significant thing, at least to, to John's, the people that were reading this letter, they understood the concept of the Son of Man. They understood that it was referring back to the Messiah. If you want to do some, do some work on that, you can jump back to Daniel chapter 7, um, verse number 13, actually. It says, it says and I saw in, my, in these night visions. I was thinking about that, Lola, when you were talking about what you saw. Like, God, hey, God will use the weirdest and craziest things to call you back home. And you might sit there and say, oh, no, that didn't happen. Let, let me tell you what. Nobody can tell him what happened in his vision. Ain't nobody going to tell you how your story actually went. And it might not be my story, but that's not my job to judge. If it gets you to the feet of Jesus, that's what I care about. So listen, you have to be true about what your story is. You got to process that. Get some Bible on it. I mean, like, look in there and find out something that, like, that, that shows that God works in these kind of ways. The Bible says you got to test the spirit to make sure it's of God. There, there's witchcraft out there. I don't want to be on the wrong side of witchcraft, right? The Bible says there's evil in this world, and I definitely can't ignore the fact that there's evil in this world. I need to make sure that the Bible says that the light of God is stronger than the evil in this world, and there's nothing that the enemy can throw at me that God can't handle. So I don't care what you got to do to get to the feet of Jesus. You better pay attention to what God is doing to you. And I don't care whether it's a, a fueled trip on drugs or alcohol, or you're just sitting there having a vision. You better pay attention when God speaks. And it might not look like a scissor tail white bird for you, but listen, something is trying to get your attention. Amen. And if you don't pay attention to that, then I will submit to you, the black snake is still up your back. You still got something on you. You have not been set free. We sing that you're supposed to be able to say, God, you have set me free. Some of y'all are living like you're supposed to be set free, but you're singing in a cage. 
Like you can sing about being set free, but you're still living like you're caged. The gate might be all the way open, like Paul and them up in church in the Philippi, and, and, and they didn't leave because they knew that their job wasn't done, but y'all ain't doing it for Jesus. Y'all doing it just because you're stuck in a cage still. You got to get to a place that God is going to let you be free, and you're going to actually get free. He saw in the night visions, behold, like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven. The Son of Man, you hear that? And come, and come, and he came to the Ancient of Days. Who's that referring to? God Almighty, that's Lord God, ancient of days, he's the, he's the old one. This is like young, young, young God talking to like himself, Father God, right? This is like the Messiah talking to Father God. And it says, he came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him and there was given to him a dominion and glory and a kingdom and the people of the nations and the languages that they should all serve him. This happened hundreds of years, thousand years before this other story came on. But they knew that the Son of Man was a title that was going to be important. Do you know why? Because all the rest of their gods were all up in the sky. But Jesus was what? Incarnational. That means that Jesus came down to watch amongst us on earth. That's why the people didn't like it. They couldn't understand it because no God had been walking on earth. That's why the confusion that's why they didn't like Jesus, because they're like, Jesus, you're right here. I can feel you. I can touch you. I can talk to you. You've been healing people on the Sabbath. And Jesus is like, yeah, but me, me and my, my father, we didn't create that rule. You just said that belonged to me. The Sabbath rule was not something that Jesus created. It's something that humans created, saying, we're going to try to glorify you, God, and we're going to make all these rules to show you how important you are to us. Does that sound like something we do? We create false rules to make people think that we're more spiritual than we're supposed to be, and all God wants is for you to be faithful to what he's called you to and to live your life. He's not concerned about all the rules that we've created. He's concerned about the trajectory of your journey and that it ends with Christ being the glory and the focal point in the light. If Christ is the focal point in the light, all this other stuff will get worked out. Like whether we worship a certain way, do a certain thing, listen, you're going to get to where God is. And then there's going to be some time for growth. You don't just come to God and be like, okay, I'm done. I'm done fixing stuff. Listen, then God starts to go, oh, okay, I got you. Now let's start working with some Brent. Hey, it's much more painful to get worked on from with God than it is coming to God, right? Coming to God, I mean, I hit some low spots, but coming to God was kind of easy. But him working with me about my attitude, my actions, my, my, my things... Those are things a little bit hard, but if I want God to stay the center part of my story, I got to keep on finding out for the first time, oh God, you don't like this about me in my life. I need to start changing some stuff. Some people think you, you change before you come to church, then we wouldn't need church. You come to church, God gets a hold of you, and then we start to morph a little bit as God, the Bible says what? Transforms us by the renewing of our mind. That means that your old mind needs to be new. So you think you're okay. Remember, we're talking about spiritual blindness. We think we're okay. We come to church and we're like, man, I'm glad I'm not like that. I'm glad I'm not like that. I don't got the same problems as, listen, y'all got to check yourself because your spiritual blindness is creeping in. Y'all starting to get spiritual cataracts and starting to get cloudy a little bit. Your life looks, used to look clear and now you're looking through this and going, I'm okay. I'm good. I can't tell you got cataracts or not. But spiritually, when I start talking to some people, I'll be like, yeah, you got some spiritual blindness creeping up. I need to be set free. I need to stay free. So it says right here, Jesus asked him a question and said, do you believe in the son of man? Look at this guy's story. I mean, Lala reminds me of what you just said. He says, sir, who is it? The man asked so that I can believe in him. 
Some of y'all, we ready before we ready. He was ready before. Listen, he didn't choose God. God had to find him. And then God finds him. It's like, hey, what are you doing? You want to believe in the son of man? And he's like, man, I just got kicked out of church. I'm ready for anything. I'm getting chased down the street. This ain't working for me. I'm ready for anything. I got stuff happening around me that I can't control. I know there's evil in this world. I need to get back on the good side. I'm ready for anything. God, if you're real, what did Pastor Pete pray when he was at camp? God, if you're real, I'm giving you this week to prove to me that you're real. Otherwise, I'm just kind of giving up on the whole God thing. God shows up. 30 years later, God, God's working through Pete, starting churches, evangelizing the world. But God had to come to a place where Pete and God's journey came together, and then God said, I'll take it from here. I'm not going to say God said, hold my beer, because I don't know what you believe about alcohol, but God's like, here, just hold this. I got this, right? <laughs> hold my Starbucks, <laughs> my Christian coffee. God's like, I, I got this, Brent. I got this, Franklin. I got this. But so many times we spend time trying to fight back to get the Starbucks, like that's going to make us something. No, God, give it back to me. No, 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 I don't trust you. God, get, 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 get. Why? Cataracts is coming in. Just trying to get blind. Every sip you take in that should be in God's hands, you just get more and more blind. Because God says, I got this. Who is he? Verse number 36, the man asked, so I can believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. That's not a joke, like Jesus said that. You have seen him, it's the first day he can see, right? The guy was blind yesterday, and he's like, you have now seen him. I was one of the first things right here in your life. You have seen him, and in fact, he's the one speaking with you. I, if I was Jesus, I just would have stuck to the seen part and be like, you have now seen him, you know? But then Jesus goes, he's the one, now he's talking about hearing. The guy's like, I've been hearing my whole life, you know? Like to me, I was like, Jesus, you missed your punchline. But anyhow, You've now seen him. In fact, he's the one that's speaking with you. And verse number 38, Liz says, then the, then the man said, Lord, I believe. And instantly he worshiped. Some of us say we say we believe. And we're like, okay, now can I start asking for stuff? Because now I'm on the good, I'm on the good Jesus Santa Claus list. Like once I get saved, now I got like Uncle Jesus up there like hooking it up. Like now I can just be afraid, Lord, I need some of this. I need some of this. Can I, can't. Listen, some of us, we, we all come to Jesus a different way. But some of us came down from the bottom so that we're just happy to be on the team. I'm not asking for a jersey. I'm not asking for new gloves. I don't need cleats. I'm just happy I can sit on the bench with the Jesus squad. But some of us, we get a little greedy and we're like, we're like, all right, I'm on here. God, you're so lucky to have me. No, he ain't really. He ain't looking like, man, I, I, got, I got the first place recruited right from the devil. Like, I can't believe that I, that I, that I made this. And I, they're, not having, they're not having recruitment day. Jesus and Satan ain't fighting for you that way. Satan already got you. You just don't know it. Jesus is trying to save you from the darkness and bring you over to light. He's trying to open up your eyes so you don't live in the darkness. And then we can say, instantly, I need to worship. Love, I love that in the midst of junk, you instinctively knew enough to get to your knees and say, God, I need some help. I don't know what you got to do to say that today. But I got to guarantee all of us ought to get to a place in our life every day where we have to say, God, I, I can't do this by myself. And I'm not too tough where I can't get on my knees and say, God, if you don't help me, there is no help. If you don't step in right here, God, I'm going to be lost. And hopefully not forever, but at least I'm going to be lost today. And if I'm lost too many days in a row, then it ends up feeling like forever. That's like when the Bible says every single day, his mercy is new. But you got to get to the mercy 
You got to get to the mercy. If you don't ever get to the mercy, then you're just still struggling. Like my question to all of us, why are you struggling? If I hear another story, somebody's struggling, I'm going to be like, okay, where's you and God on all that stuff? Oh yeah, well we, I ain't really talking to God. I'm kind of mad about what happened to my family. Man, I don't, I don't know. I don't got a lot for you. We all have a reason why we could be mad at God. We all got a reason how come it didn't work out the way we wanted it. And God's like, look, it's only when you submit to me that God's like, I can start taking that brand and I can do something with it. I can start moving in the way that I want to move, God says. Because Brent, your legs take you in the way that your eyes think that you can see, but you really can't. You're, you're spiritually blind and physically you think you're okay. The man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. I got a couple minutes left. Yesterday, yesterday I got a chance to go help uh, my friend, uh, the, uh, the kids, we, the youth group, we went out to the bay. This day, this week, we had some jet ski time and took some kids out and had a really, really good time. Well, we broke. Like when you take jet skis out, stuff breaks, right? That's just is how it goes. So every time we take the jet skis out, there's always about $600 worth of work that we got to make them ready for the next time. Jet skis are expensive. Like don't get them. They're terrible. But anyway, but they're so much fun. I love them. I can't stop. So, so I, know, I know when I take the kids out for jet skiing, I know that it's going to cost us about $600. And I know my kids can't afford $600, so everybody brings it around $5 or $10. So we always get like $100. So I'm like, I'm always like $500 short every time. But we're doing ministry. We're trying to get people there. Kids from Crawford High School, I ain't never been swimming. They can't, the wrestling team came out, right? Um, you missed it. Your whole wrestling team was there, Marissa. Like, they're all there. They, and the football team, they're all there. And they couldn't, they, they, I heard that they were going to rough you up and try to make you join the wrestling team too. So just so you know, they're trying too hard. They're pushing too hard. So the, the, the whole wrestling team and the football team was there and they didn't even know how to swim. And they're like calling their mom. Carmelo's on the phone trying to like convince the parents from a phone call. Hi, this is Pastor Carmelo. He's trying to talk all business. Like, this is Pastor Carmelo. I work at New Vision Church. And, you know, I'm the wrestling coach at Crawford. Da, da, da. And I just wonder, can I take your kid on a boat in the water? And the mom, I hear the mom on the other side. He doesn't even know how to swim, right? I just hear, and he's like moving the phone away. And Carmelo's like, oh, it's okay. We got life vests and we're really, really safe. And I'm like, don't tell about all the accidents we've had. But yes, we're really, really safe. He's like, and, and Carmelo's able to say, we ain't never lost a kid. That's true. We ain't never lost a kid. Um, we, we, we've had some kids come back with broken arms, right, Marissa? Maybe, maybe a limping leg coming back. Like, but all of our kids have made it back. They just got, they got some stories and they got some scars. Is that true? Is it true? Leave you out. Okay, you're out of it. Okay, we're not talking about Marissa. There's another kid in our youth group that seems to always go to the infirmary at camp. No, a different, different, different person. But listen, so Carmelo's telling the mom, it's good. We're going to make him safe. It's going to be okay. We got life vests. We got everything. And so the kid, I didn't realize how much he didn't know how to swim. Like you always think you don't know how to swim, but you can like dog paddle. No. The first time the brother flipped over in the inner tube, those eyes came up and the brother thought he was going to die. He was like, he was reaching for stuff in the water that was not there. The brother thought he was going down and I could see the fear in him. And listen, I could have reached out and grabbed his hand and got him back in the boat. But what I need him to know is that the life vest is going to save you and you're going to be safe. I need him to trust the equipment. So he's freaking out. I didn't even tell him there's like sea lions up in there going to eat his feet and stuff. Because that he would have jumped right up in the boat and been inside of my jet ski, right? So instead of me getting him right in the boat right away, I let him struggle a little bit so he can know, listen, it's important for him to know that the life vest will work, that the inner tube is okay, that I'm right there. And I told him, hey, if you start to have a problem, I will jump off this jet ski and I will save you instantly, but I need you to kick your feet right now. Kick your feet. Kick your feet. Starts kicking his feet. 
Those big old huge eyes start getting a little bit smaller, start getting whatever. He stopped reaching for stuff that didn't exist anymore and just started reaching for my hand nice and gently. I said, I got you. You're good. Just kick your feet. You're good. Take him over to the back of the jet ski. Nope, no, no, you, you can't get on yet. I need you to hold the boat so the other guy can jump off the jet ski to land in the inner tube. So I need you to hold it so he doesn't flip over like you just did. So then he does it. He's all sitting there. I was like, all right, now you can come up under the boat. It took a minute. It was not comfortable for him. But because he was able to go through something like that, he needed to know that he was going to be safe in the middle of that. Listen, your journey, it might feel very terrifying to you. And your inability to be able to see what's going on might freak you out. And you might think that God's not strong enough to get it, but he is. You might not think that people care about him. His eyes were so big, thinking that he was going to drown. I'm not going to let a kid drown one foot in front of me. I've been doing ministry for 30 years. I ain't trying to get like a death on my record like that. You can't do youth ministry anymore if a kid dies. Like you, you, get, you get done. They, you, nobody wants to hire you. Yeah. Hey, it doesn't matter how many years I can come back saying nobody got hurt. If somebody gets hurt, somebody gets done one time, people ain't trying to hire me anymore because I didn't keep the kids safe. Listen, spiritually is more important than physically. Those kids need to know who God is Every bit as much as as scared as they get about being in the water, I need them to be able to hear that God's got a plan for their story. And just as they're remembering they had a good time on the water and the life vest was able to save them, I need to, I need to translate it over to them. Hey, I just got to say this to you. Your life is kind of like the bay. And it's tumultuous. And there's going to be some waves. And you're going to get thrown out. And when you get thrown out, if you don't got God... There ain't nothing to be able to keep you a buoyant. You, you're going to feel like you're sinking. And some of us have been to that place where you're reaching for anything to hold on to. And God showed up or he, gave, he sent somebody or he did something to get to a place where you can get to the other side. Listen, spiritual blindness is so much danger, more dangerous than physical blindness because spiritual blindness will keep you away from the plan and the destination that God has for you. We got to start landing the plane and we got to land this thing now. Last couple of verses. Verse 38. And the man said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Verse 39. Jesus says this, for judgment is coming to this world so that the blind will see and those that will see will become blind. The end of the story, the church folks are still listening to Jesus talk to the blind man. And now he's outside the church because they didn't want him in their church. But Jesus is like, finds him. He's going to find you. He's going to find us. And then he has this conversation. Some of the Pharisees, verse number 40, some of the Pharisees who were there heard him say this and they asked, what, are we blind too? If you don't want the, if you don't want the answer, then don't ask the question. Some of us, we ask stuff and you, you want the answer to go a certain way, but you get mad when people give you the answer like, did you really want the question? Come on. No, you just want it to go the way you want it to go. Ah. God's got an answer, but you might not always like God's answer. God has a plan for you, and it might not correspond with the plan that you created for yourself. Oh, my, my, my. Listen, I, want you to get, I don't want to get you too far down the road where you start to realize that God has to do some, like, course correct. I don't want to course correct. I just want God to, like, kind of give me some points along the journey. God, steer me in the right direction. For that to happen, I need to be able to be spiritually connected to what God has for me. I need to listen. Verse number 41, it says, Jesus said, if you were blind, then you'd be guilty of all the sin. 
but now that you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. If you are blind, then you would not be guilty of this sin. But because you claim that you can see, your guilt remains. I gotta be done for today. I'm just getting really, really hot, and so I just got really dizzy. I don't know why, sorry. It's probably because I'm drinking sugar instead of water. <laughs> True story. I wanna leave you with a couple of things. Spiritually, we have to admit the blindness. Like, it'd be easier if you were physically blind because then we'd be able to point at it and be able to identify it. The hard part is, is there's a pastor up here. I can just look at your smiling faces and I can't see where the spiritual blindness is. I don't know what level of blindness people are dealing with. I don't know whether you like can't see nothing, where you can see a little bit, or whether the cataract is just creeping in. I can't see none of those things. But you gotta admit before God, now I'm, gonna, I'm gonna challenge you to do it today. Don't wait for another day. But you gotta get to a place where you're able to say, God, Look, I've been living thinking I can see, but I'm really, I've been stumbling around and I haven't been making all the right calls, but I thought that I had this and God, I don't got this. I need my eyes to be opened spiritually. I need to get back to a place. You need to admit the blindness. If I told you today that you could receive, be received and receive whatever God wants and, and whatever God has for you, if I told you that you had the ability to call out to him today and pray and say, Lord, I need you to fix my blindness. Remember, the Bible says that God has to seek you out. But if you could prepare your heart so that you are ready to receive from God, if I told you that was possible today, is that something you would take today? Amen. Would you tell God, look, I, think, I know I think I got it, but I know that I've got it. I'm gonna have some blind spots, God. I need to open myself up because I need to be spiritually able to see the things that I don't think that I'm, I'm really paying attention to. Now, like I said, I wish sometimes it would be as easy as us getting on our knees and just saying, okay, God, I need to make a course correction. But some of us, we need to make small little adjustments on that way so that God receives maximum glory. We gotta be done here. We gotta be done. I got three more things I'm gonna say and we're gonna be finished. So the first time the blind man was, talk, was, was, was being healed, the first time in chapter nine earlier, it says that he heard the name Jesus and he heard that Jesus had healed him, but he didn't know much about it except just the Old Testament rumors. Rumors, I mean, history. He knew the, he knew the stories, but had never really met him personally, right? And then it says, when Jesus first finds him and talks to him, um, in verse number 11 of chapter nine, it says this. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud out of it and, and, and put it on my eyes. The man they called Jesus, the man. So he went from rumor, because he knew there was a story, and the first time he knew there was a man, there was a somebody in the story called Jesus. The, le the next time, look at verse number 17. I know we preached on this last week, but just so you can see the, the line here. Then they turned again to the blind man. They said, what do you have to say about him? It was your eyes that he opened. And the man said, he's a prophet. You see seeing the through line here? He knew the story. The first time he was asked about it, it was just a man. The second time he was asked about it, it was a prophet. His faith journey is developing. Even right in front of us in this little teeny story, it's developing. And look what it says in the very last thing. Verse number 38. The man said, Lord, who is it? And he says, he says, it's me, the son of man. He goes, Lord, I believe. And then he worshiped him. He says, Lord, Kyrios. Earlier in the chapter, he used the word Kyrios, which means Lord in Greek. And it meant sir. Kind of like he was just talking to him, like just like a person, like sir, like madam, whatever but then he understood that Jesus was actually the Lord. 
and he made it capital Lord, curious, like you are my Lord and God. You're not just a sir. Some of us, I don't know about your story. Thank you again, Lala, for sharing your story. Some of us, you know about God. You know some of the stories about God. Some of y'all call him the man. <laughs> some of you guys talk about the prophet because that's all the stuff that he does. Remember a couple weeks ago, is it what he does for you or who he is to you, right? He's the prophet. But at some point, you got to get to the point where you'll be like, Lord, I need you to be the Lord. I need my spiritual eyes to be opened. I need to move from knowing about who you are to actually moving through and you living through me to what you have for me. I'm sorry, I'm not feeling very well. I don't know why, but I'm just going to close with some prayer. I think God has said what he needs to say, at least in those parts. I'm going to ask that you make that decision, that you go from information, if that's your journey, then you got to get to the place that you know the man. And then if you know he's the man, then you got to get to the place that you understand that he's the prophet. And if, you, if you're at that place, then you need to understand that he's actually the Messiah. And he's the Messiah and you accept him into your life. The Bible says that everything will change at that point. Everything before that point is just like all the stuff on your journey to get you to the place that God receives the glory and praise. Tell him and say, Lord, I worship you with everything I know about me. God, I worship you. Father God, Lord, we just come to you, God, and we just, uh, we give this time to you. God, we don't, we don't always know everything that, that, that we think we know. And sometimes the things that we don't know, uh, if, we, if we knew them, we would be scared to death. I don't know how the journey's supposed to look for all of us. I don't know, I don't know the direction that led people to hear. Thank you, God, for us to be able to hear Lalo's direction of what happened to bring him right here. God, you had to take him through some stuff. And Lord, there were some, there were some dark times and there still might be some dark times ahead. But Lord, just like that guy that was in the water that's now in the water and he knows that the life of justice is gonna get him, God, I pray, Lord, that he understands and we understand, God, that you will never leave us, you will never forsake us, that you will seek us out, that you look for us more than we look for you, that you care more about our story than we care about our story. God, we've been created for something greater. We don't have to live small, God. We can live not with, the, with, the, with, the Satan, with Satan that steals, robs, and destroys, tries to take away our joy, take away our freedom, take away our visions, take away our family, take away all those things you have for us, God. But the Bible says that I don't have to live like that anymore. And I can spend all the rest of my days focused on you and your word, Jesus. And everybody that I've led in the wrong direction, God, that I can start leading them in the way according to you, I can point them to Jesus and say, Jesus will lead you to the right direction. I'm gonna mess this up, God, but you're not gonna mess this up. I can trust you. I can hand you everything. And God, I know that you have, the Bible says, the best in mind for me. And all these things can work together for good to those that love God and are called according to your purpose. God, so if it's your purpose, I can be confident, Lord, that you have a plan. My plan hasn't worked. My plan hasn't got me very far anywhere, just the wrong direction. But then sometimes I feel like I'm okay. But God, I pray, Lord, against the spiritual blindness. God, you will open up our eyes to understand who you are and what you have for us, Jesus. Don't let us be blind spiritually. Don't let us wander, God. We just praise you, God. We just love you, God. If there's even a person here that needs to say for the first time, I need to move from spiritual blindness to spiritual sight. I need to cross over. I need God. I need you to fix 
my blindness. We have to admit it first. I'm blind. I got issues, God. I can't see all those spots. We call them blind spots for a reason because I can't see what I don't know. God, I need you to help fix every blind spot in my life. God, I need you to lead me in the path of your righteousness, God, so that you receive the glory and the praise. My life doesn't matter. My reputation doesn't matter. My, my, my story doesn't matter outside of you, Jesus. If that's you today, I want you to find a pastor today and tell them, or raise your hand right now, and if you're a leader in here, look around. You gotta tell somebody your story. You gotta say, Jesus, I need to cross over from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. We thank you, God. We glorify your name. We worship you in Jesus' name. Thanks again for joining us. Contact us or learn more at our website, newvision.city. See you next time.